Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and to always be thankful. Let the message above Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. I didn't want to like the show This Is Us when it first came out. I didn't want to like it when it came out. It's one of the shows that has the potential to be emotionally manipulative, and my day-to-day life is not what I would call emotionally detached. So I don't really need to program more of that emotional engagement into my entertainment calendar. But after watching the show a few times with Amy, I noticed something. They dealt with a lot of real stuff in ways that reflect the consequences of some foolish behavior and decision-making, and then sometimes the sheepish and wavering steps that people make towards health in a way that even if the timeline jumps around and maybe speeds some things up in a way that it's not the way things would resolve in actual real life, It resolves things in a way that seemed pretty responsible from what I've experienced so far. I made sure not to include any spoilers because that clip is from last week's episode and it may still be sitting in your DVR, so I don't want to ruin that for anybody, but it struck me. I've seen folks volunteer their vulnerability to help somebody who appears to be stuck. I've also seen people who struggle to confess their limitations walk and run away from help in hopes that they can ultimately outrun the problems that have been chasing them. In the end, and certainly for some specific obstacles, that doesn't really work. It takes some assistance, and that takes an admission that there are things that we cannot do on our own. I'm not an expert in this regard. I got to go through a 360-degree evaluation last year for the conference as a pastor, and it sought information from peers, those I'm responsible to as a pastor, those that I am responsible to as a supervisor, those I'm responsible to as an employee, etc. And I generally appreciate those types of tools of evaluation because I like to imagine myself as relatively competent and because 
I'm typically able to receive critique fairly well. There was one thing on the review that I wasn't prepared for, however. The place where I showed some real deficiency was in my willingness and ability to ask for help. And at first, I rebelled against that until I thought for just a second about my tendency to take on stuff in hopes that somebody amazing will volunteer because they somehow intuitively noticed that I needed the assistance of someone who suffers from the same sort of perfectionist compulsions that are like my own. When I thought about that, as an indication of how true it can be sometimes, I thought, I'm, I'm going to figure out what that's about. There's got to be something about that, and I'm going to discover what it is. The trouble is, it didn't occur to me to even ask the folks who provided that feedback to maybe help me understand why I was having a difficult time asking for help. I was even going to try that on my own. Why is it so difficult sometimes to ask for help? So much of it is born from fear and insecurity. We might be afraid that someone would take advantage of us if we allow ourselves to rely on them. Maybe we're fearful that admitting our limitations will render us unlovable or cause others to see us as weak. Maybe it's because we're certain that our way is the only way to do something. And it's the type of help others will offer might just create more work for us to clean up later. I believe as we better understand this morning's lessons, we'll get to experience fuller living, greater freedom, and maybe help our lives get to more of the places where we find ourselves, get out of the places where we may find ourselves stuck today. And that leads to our first lesson this morning. To be human is to need help. To be human is to need help. Paul is writing to the Colossian church, put on your new nature, be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. In this letter, the Apostle Paul is telling a diverse church that there is one thing that each person has in common, and that's our need for a grace that gives us a brand new start. And it's more than help. It's the power that changes the course of our existence from death to life. But our need from help has been built into us before sin ever entered into the equation. From the beginning of humanity, we were created to need help. When we read one of the accounts of creation in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. If I can rephrase that or retranslate that, it reads, it's not good for this earth creature to be by himself. I'll make a, him, a helper who is similar. The word helper here is translated from Azer Kinetigo. Keep that in your 25 cent Hebrew word dictionary. And it translates literally as help meet or a helper who is face to face with you. Like you're looking in a mirror. In many ways, that's the nature of our mutually helping relationships, which God instituted here. They function just like a mirror. They show us our need for grace. They show us where God seeks to refine us. Before sin ever entered into the world, God looked at a human creature without a helper and proclaimed, this is not good. Once the helper relationship was in place, God proclaimed that it is very good. We were designed to be helpers, to receive help. That can't be a bad thing when God, in fact, calls it very good. And then we jump ahead in the biblical timeline, or we look just back to Christmas when Jesus is an infant. 
Luke chapter 2, we read about this. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. God took on flesh and lived among us and came just as vulnerable as can be. Jesus was placed in the care of his mom and earthly father. Maybe baby Jesus could levitate to get himself around. Or maybe multiply formula for nourishment. And maybe he didn't really need parents. But that's not how it seemed to go down in scripture. It seemed like God intentionally entered into our experience of vulnerability, dependence, and reliance upon the care of others. God condescended to a need for human assistance. The God who never slumbers or sleeps, the God who is the beginning and the end, the God through whom all things were made caused himself to need help. When Jesus was a part of something, it couldn't be a bad thing. By becoming one who needed help, that need for help was made holy. When Christ's flesh was failing and he was nearing the end of his life, Simon, from a place called Cyrene, was commanded to take up the cross of Jesus and assist him in carrying it to the crest of Calvary. And with the fullness of divinity dwelling in perfect integration, the fullness of humanity of Jesus required assistance. The need is built in. And one of the reasons we're built with this need for help is because those limitations make us aware of a very important truth, and that's our second lesson. God is our constant helper. God is our constant helper. Paul goes on, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. I was attending a birthday party in high school, and it was at a place where a friend of mine lived kind of out in the country, and there was a private pond on the property. It was a swimming pond, and I noticed that at that swimming pond, there was a diving board. I took diving lessons for a little bit when I was a younger and probably a little bit more streamlined man. Add to the fact that there were girls at this party... And I wasn't actually interested in any of them in particular, but it was more in the prospect of showing off in front of the female of the species. So I decided that I would do a single front flip off that diving board into the pond. It was my first time on that board, so it would be a reasonable test of the function of the hardware and my skill set mixed together. And I did a whole four-step approach and flipped and landed feet first in the water, followed shortly thereafter by my backside absolutely nailing a pretty solid rock that caused the water in that area to feel very shallow. Too shallow, in my experience, for diving of any kind. It hurt pretty badly, but I wouldn't dare show that I accidentally injured my posterior while trying to dive blindly into an unknown pond, not in front of the ladies. I did spend some time thinking about that event later, however, if I hadn't been such a show-off, I probably wouldn't have injured my hindquarters on a rock at that party. But if I had only been slightly less of a show-off, I would have done some sort of pike dive that would have put me on a headfirst collision course with that rock. And that may have gone very badly. Maybe resulted in traumatic brain injury. Maybe resulted in death. 
At the very least, a wicked concussion and perhaps water inhalation as I blacked out in the pond. I only have one explanation for how I avoided that fate, and it's not that I was so smart. God allowed me to feel a warning shot on my backside, but I was safeguarded by help that I wouldn't have even known to request. I bet you've experienced that kind of help in your life from time to time, too. Things don't always end as fortunately in all these circumstances as they did in mine. I've walked with some families who have not experienced that kind of protection, and so the help that comes from God comes in a different form in that situation. But there is still help that comes from God. We read the words of the psalmist telling us that God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. In Psalm 121, we read how we lift our eyes to the mountain, searching for help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We don't always know how to ask for God's assistance. We don't always see God's hand at work helping us. We're not always the very best at expressing our gratitude. Still, God is always helping us. He's always more ready to hear our needs than we are to ask his help. See, God isn't fooled by our facades of self-sufficiency. We can pretend to God that we can do it all by ourselves, but that's no more convincing than when two-year-olds try to convince us that they can get their own bread out of the toaster. We know full well that they need help, no matter how insistent their tiny voices may be. God sees the need we carry, and wants us to experience full life and avoid unnecessary strife and will help us in ways that can lead us to discover Christ's loving guidance even when we're reluctant to receive it. At a certain point, though, maybe we get to be like those kids who hit that point in adolescence when their parents mysteriously graduate from total idiots to actually pretty smart without even having to attain additional certification or advanced degrees. It's like something happens overnight where a child realizes that these parents have something good to offer. Maybe we discover that we can receive wisdom and guidance and assistance from God, and it's intended to bless our lives instead of run them with uncool public dancing and out-of-style clothing. I don't think the allegory entirely applies to God. God is going to help us, and that help has exponentially greater impact when we are in on receiving it. And when we are allowed to clothe ourselves in those same things that God uses to help us. But what about with people? What about accepting help from other flawed and faulty human beings? And that leads to our third lesson. We can receive help as an expression of Christ's love through others. We can receive help as an expression of Christ's love through others. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. I've had a chance to interact with some pretty spectacular people through my life so far. There's a guy who is a retired VP of a Fortune 500 company who likes to volunteer with a a 501c3 not-for-profit I've been a part of. He's brilliant. His people skills are off the chart. In this setting of volunteering, though, I'll often see him with a broom and a rag cleaning up after folks, and he'll ask somebody to come along and help him out. He'll always have a broom handy to share. Part of that request is because he's older and things aren't quite as easy for him as they used to be. 
But the folks he'll invite will usually be somebody he wants to get to know better. He'll spend some of that time over the task getting to know their lives, their work, their families. He'll start to discover their passions. And without the recruited helper realizing it at first, they're getting hundreds of dollars of consulting without realizing it. They're learning about how to optimize their dreams for the cost of a little time, some elbow grease, and humility. It's incredibly impressive. And you know who's helped by that whole experience? Absolutely everyone. The nonprofit, the retiree, the volunteer who's being mentored, the people who are benefiting from the impact of that person's dream lived out to the fullest. Everybody. I honestly see Christ at work in those situations because he loves to honor those holy moments of serving together and dreaming powerfully for his glory. That old-timer probably could be proud and embarrassed to need help, but honestly, he's been using this method since before it was a very practical need for him. He noticed that the act of receiving help is a holy thing because it opens a place for another person's gifts to shine through. It also opens up a spiritual reality. Maybe we realize that the help we offer others, whether it's food or clothing or shelter or visits or compassion, like what Jesus talks about in Matthew 25, maybe it's something else. Maybe we realize that our help recognizes the divine image in another person. Jesus says in this parable about those who have helped and those who have not, the king replies, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Did you realize that when someone offers us help, perhaps they see the divine image in us. And they're hoping to serve Christ by showing us kindness. Maybe they have gifts to be expressed through compassionate acts that happen to bless our lives. Maybe when we open our lives to help others by serving us as sisters and brothers, we allow them to serve Christ. Now, don't hear me wrong this morning. Don't everybody walk away from the service and determine that we're not going to do anything for ourselves so we don't rob other people of the chance to serve. Let's not decide to live together in apathy in hopes that someone who didn't hear this message today will come along, read our minds, and do all the things for us. That's not the moral of this story. But try this, will you? When you find yourself stretched too far, and if Something inside you is telling you it's not okay to admit that. Admit it. If you're hurting, and there's pressure from within saying it's not okay to struggle like this, share that with someone. If you're overwhelmed, and pride tells you to put your shoulder to it and force ahead, take a minute to ask God if that is his voice. If it's not, take a moment to see if there isn't a helper nearby. And if you... Have the gift of help in your life. Don't forget to be grateful. We're made for this in the sharing of help, in giving and receiving help. And in doing so, we get to reflect the image of God. And God would call that very good. Would you pray with me? Lord, you have not created us to do this on our own. You have not crafted us with love and compassion, to be self-sufficient. You have created us to be reliant upon a grace that is so far above and beyond ourselves. It simply takes a, an amount of humility to be able to approach it. 
So God, in our limitations, let us not find shame, but we find purpose. That you have given us a body of believers that come around us, having strengths where we have weakness, and in all those places, opportunities to give you glory. Lord, thank you for the gift of those who come alongside of us to serve with us, to take care of us, to give us opportunities to take care of them. Lord, help us to lay down pride, embarrassment, sense of shame. Help us to pick up the grace that you have set before us and allow us to receive help from those who recognize your divine image in each and every face. We thank you and praise you for all this in Christ's holy name. Amen.